Hello and welcome to Print is Dead, episode four. My name is Harry Krinsky. Um, today I talked to Sophie Health. Sophie is a artist and writer and hilarious Twitter persona. Um, we talk about all kinds of stuff, uh, how her Twitter began, um, her you know perspective on Twitter, uh, I guess creatively, and uh, her plans to write a novel, and a bunch of other stuff. So enjoy the pod. And um, I am running out of of guests that sort of uh, off the top of my head, I, I could, you know, ask to be on the pod. So if you happen to be listening to this and uh, think you'd be a good guest, I, I can't promise much in terms of exposure, but perhaps uh, I could promise a good conversation. So um, with that, plug out of the way. Uh, enjoy my conversation with Sophie Health. Very handy, I can tell. I bet you like to read a lot, too. Print is dead. That's very fascinating to me. I, I read a lot myself. Some people think I'm too intellectual, but I think it's a fabulous way to spend your spare time. I also play racquetball. Do you have any hobbies? I guess the first thing I would like to talk about is your Twitter account. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> well, and that, I mean, that is, that is when I first met you, it was, you were on a, a different podcast. Okay. Stupid. And, and, uh, you know, the only thing I'd heard was like, oh, Sophie Health, she's hilarious on Twitter, you know, <laughs> and, and dot com, I live for this. You're right. So what what can you talk to me about the the um, and your Twitter is fucking hilarious. But can, so can you talk to me about the journey of having it? Yeah, the journey actually like uh, the thing is, I could actually talk for hours about Twitter because it's such a weird experience and it always hasn't been like a shit posting Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of has been, but like before I like kind of just stopped categorizing stuff, it was actually, um, well, I started it because in 2012 in college, I'd order something from ASOS and it didn't arrive. And my scary <laughs> yeah. roommate who's English, what you got to do is you got to make a Twitter and you got to yell at them. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, do it. So I signed up and at the time it was my full name, Sophie Health, like the ad. And I was like, hey, where's my package? It came and I just never deleted it. And I didn't use it for ages, but I went to design school and my program had a huge Twitter presence. So what I would do is I'd like post some stuff I made and like tag the design program in it and it'd like get retweeted. And then I was like, maybe I'll get some work from this. Mm-hmm. So it was actually very functional for a while. Um, when I started coding, it was a lot of code stuff, but I would just like, I can't, I just can't take it seriously. Like I cannot, especially in the context of like a career, it's like, I'm not a careerist. I'm very much like, this is my job. I do it. I clock out. Right. So in that respect, it's like, yeah, I'm talking about code, but I'm going to be kind of funny about it. And as time went on, it was like, I still, I still am a software developer, but I actually at this point don't really like to talk about work on Twitter. Cause it just, it just, it's a little boring to me and it doesn't feel quite as appropriate, especially with like, I don't like discussing like projects and stuff. It's like, that's, that's my own thing. Um, so, so think- you're in college in London tweeting yeah. about, code and kind of software design yeah. do you have an audience at this point oh hardly i mean i think i had a hundred followers from okay four years like i really wasn't using it it wasn't a big thing like everyone was on like instagram and facebook at the time right but i used my facebook kind of like i used my twitter now back in college like i look at the memories and i'm shit posting on, t- on facebook <laughs> okay because it was the more commonly used thing it wasn't like kind of totally out of fashion at the time like if you met someone, you'd like, what's your Facebook? And eventually, I think as Facebook got old and Twitter kind of picked up, I was like, I'll just kind of migrate my stuff over here. And because I'm like literally just wilding out in my brain all the time, it's like, I feel like there's less shame in posting a bunch of tweets during the day. Whereas if on Facebook you're doing that, it's like, you need to log off. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So at this point, it's just like, if I think it, I post it as long as it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. like there's I mean I kind of think about it and there's a bit of hubris to it in that like oh you guys should read this I want people to see this but it's like I like making people laugh like full stop like it's nice to provide like a little tiny mini service of like oh I made someone kind of chuckle that's that's kind of nice like mm-hmm. just 
especially like in these trying times like yeah yeah I think everyone is just kind of looking for a while to kind of like not have to focus all day on like really horrible shit and so do you so it's so when did you make the pivot from tweeting about design kind of just tweeting about your own work in a funny way to having an audience and tweeting about about uh, your life did that was that a seamless thing was that kind of self-aware um it definitely wasn't self-aware i mean i don't really consider twitter like a project it's just a thing i do Mm -hmm. i was actually in a pretty serious accident about three years ago and so i was like not coding obviously at the time Mm -hmm. um so i would just i spent like a year at home like healing up we learned to walk and all this stuff and it was like I had nothing to say like, or like nothing to like say about code. And it was just like, it was just a really boring year just sitting around and reading, but it's like, well, you know, stuff is still kind of funny. Like it was a bummer thing, but I was like, I was pretty chin up about it. I was like, well, like, you know, I'll get back out there eventually. I'll get back to New York and I'll like meet people and stuff. In the meantime, I'm bored as shit. But when I'm bored, my brain just kind of goes haywire, mm-hmm. which I mean, like in general lately, it's like, especially during COVID, I've just been bored as hell. And I think that kind of generates more shit post so i I was just like oh i'm not gonna tweet about code like i'm not doing that right now but i enjoyed tweeting and at that point i had like a decent audience and i was kind of like actually interacting with people more on there and kind of making friends on there so it wasn't just me screaming into the void as much which is like you know sometimes it's nice to scream into the void but having a little more of like a i guess community on there like people you can kind of rally back and forth with and like you know dm and stuff um, once I kind of started being like that, it was like, I don't need to like make this like a Twitter about a thing. It's nice to just kind of say whatever. Mm-hmm. So the did having the audience in a really specific way. When I, I'm projecting a little bit in that something that really scares me about Twitter.com is yeah. the the audience and like kind of the idea that you are that that one of the ways to you are asked to engage on Twitter is kind of in it, toward an audience, you know, like say stuff that people will think is funny, say stuff that, you know, and not just kind of um, shit posts or like just say actually what's on your mind or whatever. Uh, do you, was there a shift? Are you kind of constantly battling those two forces? How does that play? Interesting, because I know I went through a phase where I do just want to go as viral as possible. Mm-hmm. And I got so sick of it. I was like, this feels like work. Like, and honestly, one thing I've really noticed is it's always the tweets I dash off when I'm like running down the subway platform holding a coffee. Those ones get really big. Uh-huh. Like, and it's almost a little rule I have for Twitter. Like if it starts feeling like work, like if I'm like, what do I need to tweet? What should I tweet? It's like, just log off, like go read a book. Right. Like, tear your brain. Like you're clearly kind of frazzled. Um, but for a while I really was like kind of think overthinking stuff. And I think, I don't know if it was a conscious shift, but I didn't notice it at one point and eventually it's like, Oh, this is better. I can just kind of say whatever the hell and people are still like responsive and people do appreciate a little bit of like, not like a personal, personal life, but like, you know, what's going on? Like did a funny thing happen? Like what'd you see today? Right. People kind of like to just hear about that stuff. And then what about Twitter friends, you know, online friends? I I, I don't have, I guess we are in a certain way, online friends, but (laughs) the, the, the I don't have that's a new concept to me you know like I growing up I didn't have like tumblr I didn't have um uh, kind of any of the other like message board image board stuff that wasn't like a a vehicle for me or an avenue for me so the concept is very foreign to me but it doesn't seem to be to some people some people kind of really get the internet friend thing you are seem to be one of them what's the what is um like what's the skinny on internet friends oh that's a good question because i was a tumblr kid i was a blogspot kid i remember i was on like this forum as like a seventh grader what was it do you remember it was it was really creative writing it was actually great it was like a very healthy introduction to like internet interaction i think yeah like everyone was very nice and like gave good feedback which i would love that now like a straight up forum forum for writing would be great right So I think on Twitter, it was like, oh, I'm not afraid to, you know, comment on someone's post if it's funny or like DM them about something. I can be pretty shy though. Like I honestly will sometimes wait for someone to DM me, which is silly, but like, if they do, I'm not going to be non-responsive. It's like, oh, this person thinks I'm cool. Like that's fun. And I think they're cool. We might as well chat about it. 
But um, I think like in general for me, like a Twitter friendship will start like in the replies, like we'll be kind of giving each other shit or just like being like, that's funny or like responding to it. And it's like, oh, like this person has a really good vibe. Like maybe I'll like send them a tweet and be like, this is funny or whatever the hell. Mm. Like, I mean, honestly, I, I have a thing where like you can only, I only get notifications from people I follow. Mm-hmm. Which keeps me sane. <laughs> I bet. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I don't know what I'd do if it was like everyone I'd go insane. But um, if I noticed someone's like my tweets a lot and commenting, I was like, oh, they clearly are like, we're vibing. That's cool. Um, and it also kind of filters out like, I mean, at this point, people get pretty weird in the comments. Like, so that's what I was going to wonder is like, if, yeah. if one of the first steps is replying, how do you yeah. avoid being, you know, a reply guy? Yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, it's a little more acceptable to be a reply guy if you're mutuals. Like, mm. I think, like, if you're mutuals, like, you clearly, like, are invested somewhat in each other's tweets versus, like, if I were replying to, like, someone I wasn't follow who didn't follow me, that would feel weird. Like, that would feel kind of inappropriate and intrusive. People tend to be kind of overly familiar sometimes, and I think it's something, like, in general, you really want to avoid. Like, mm-hmm. it... Like, I don't even read the replies to my tweets that much. Like, it's a little bit of a blinders thing, but sometimes it's like, you know what? Like, if someone's being a brat, I don't necessarily need to see that because it'll put me in a weird mood. Right. Um, but like, I think, like, internet friends, it's fine to, like, kind of tease each other a bit or be silly or just, like, add on to a tweet or something. Yeah, yeah. That That's... I, I, I have not gotten to that. Um, it's a dynamic you kind of need to suss out a little bit. Like, you kind of need to be, like would this be appropriate to respond to someone? Right. It's funny. It sounds like the dynamics of, you know, regular friendships still apply. It's like, you still yeah, gotta totally. like <laughs> play. It's, it's like, even out, you know, you hit each other up, you reply to each other's tweets, you DM each other. It's like, yeah, like the way you text someone and like, you know, you expect them to text you back occasionally. Like, and so you also, your, your, your two final questions about your Twitter, which is one, you, your Twitter handle is a fashion joke. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> are, do you have and i also you're always posting very stylish outfits is there like a fashion and i guess maybe the third prong i'll have is i do get the sense that kind of like fashion is having a real moment in media right now um i i i do like do you consider yourself part of fashion twitter do you can do you have kind of fashion media related aspirations or do you just kind of like like sharing outfits and like style I mean, honestly, I love showing my outfits. I love dressing up. And I don't want to say dressing up, getting dressed. Yeah. I am actually going to be going on a podcast soon about clothes, which is very cool. Ooh. Um, so I'm very excited about that. I mean, like, I like Instagram for, like, sharing my fits a bit more because people tend to be more responsive. And, like, quite frankly, if I got an end to some sort of fashion industry thing, I'd take it. Like, um, I love, like curating stuff I love like seeing goes like I remember like thinking like in an alternate life I would want to be like a fashion buyer or something just Mm. because like a stylist or something like I really have a lot of joy like putting something together and just seeing how it works um but I don't I mean like on Twitter it's just like showing the fits I think on Instagram it's more of a thing of me like actually being like here's the clothes I'm wearing here's what I'm into like and I follow more kind of fashiony people on there Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people are like, what the hell is your handle on Twitter? Like Jill Slander, like I don't get it. It's like, oh, oh interesting. Yeah, it's a joke or fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, that was the first thing I noticed. I was like, very cool. Jill, actually, Jill Slander. Like, really I was like, um, at my Cody Moo camp, there was a girl named Jill, like spelled J I L. And she saw my handle and she's like, what the fuck? I was like, no, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's like a fashion joke. Like, <laughs> That's so I funny. guess I believe you. It was just so embarrassing. Oh my God. But it's not like immediately, I think like fashion stuff for me is more of like a visual thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so then the final Twitter question I have is what, you know, a lot of people get career opportunities from Twitter. And it's this funny thing, like you started it totally not thinking about that and you don't even really think in a kind of careerist way which i which totally makes sense have even if it was sort of serendipitously or by accident has twitter been something that's opened doors for you to do projects that you want to do and is that something that you now that you have a little bit more of a platform 
um, kind of like seek out or seek to leverage? Or are you kind of like, eh, it'll happen if it happens. It's kind of, this is just on the back burner in my life. I mean, I've definitely gotten opportunities from Twitter. I have gotten a lot of writing projects that way. Mm. Like my, the, and I've always wanted to be a writer, like since I was a little kid, like mm-hmm. I would, like what I was practically born to do, like I knew it from super young age, but I'd never, throughout college and stuff, like we didn't know writing whatsoever on my program, except for like a dissertation. So I didn't, I was kind of out of practice, but um, a fashion editor for Garage, Rachel Tashin actually slid into my DMs a few years ago and was like, do you want to write some shoe reviews for us? And that was when I realized like, damn, I can like actually get work just from being on here. And right. I definitely leveraged that. Like it's, I've written for some really cool publications and I think it kind of has mushroomed into things like now that I have a writing portfolio, I can like pitch stuff and have like, here's what I've written and stuff. But it definitely gave me a start with like actually getting writing career stuff done. And that's a super cool. I don't like really actively seek to leverage it. Once in a while, I'll be like, hey, guys, I'm looking to pitch if it's been kind of dry for a bit. But in general, it's more of a thing of like, you know, if I want to pitch this essay, I'll do it here. And I feel more confident doing it because of like opportunities I've gotten before have like gotten me more of a like actual writing portfolio. Um, As coding stuff, like once in a while, if I'm like a little dry on freelance work, I'll like put like the cheesy thing like, hey, guys, I'm a freelance developer and I need work. But like, that's kind of hit and miss. Hey, I've been there. <laughs> the- I hate those tweets. I just like have to like close my computer and be like, oh my God. But it does work. Like having having a huge following does mean there's a lot of code people, especially since I'm people know I'm a coder. So that has been really handy. I also have a really big Rolodex if I need someone else to work with, which is great. That that makes a lot of sense. And I I I um I it seems like so much in in media or if you kind of are somebody who aspires to like make shit for money, you know, in whatever way you want to interpret that. One of the hardest things is having a small is like not having a network of not people to like put you on or, you know, bump your like amplify your voice, really. I mean, all that stuff's great and valuable and has its place. But what I really mean is. Like just people to work with, just people to like be like, hey, can I bounce ideas off you? Hey, like we're thinking, you know. Um, so I, 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 that that does make a lot of sense. And even in the, I mean, I'm I have like five hundred followers on Twitter, but even even in that small amount, I think I that's been the most valuable thing for me. That is like like a fair amount of people. Like I feel like right, it's a lot if you put them all in a room. <laughs> about it, it's like five hundred people isn't that small? Like. I think people like, oh, these small accounts, like no one notices their shit. Like, yeah, actually, like 500 people is a fucking lot. Like, right. like, which is why I get like a little bit like, who are you people about like, whenever my followers go up, I'm just like, that's, that's, that's a fucking lot. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, while it feels like a little bit of an ego boost, it's always like, that's a lot of fucking people. Like, totally. but it definitely handy if you are you know, not a shit and utilize your connections. Well, like it can really be a boon, I think. And I think you especially, um, and I do really do mean this. You tweet like somebody who would be good at writing. Like, I'm not surprised that you, that, that you get writing opportunities from your Twitter, because I think the, like you, you, you really have a, um, it seems like you put a lot of effort into the like syntax and craft of it all. It's like, I sometimes do. And thank you, by the way. That's yeah, yeah. very nice to hear. Um, I think the best ones are ones that just kind of shit out. Oh, like, really? Yeah. So it's like... that is, a lot of them is like, that is just what my brain sounds like. Like, right, right. Sounds like in really weird, bizarre terms. Um, so I think a, a little, another little rule I have, I have like my several rules for Twitter. One of them is oh, like... Oh, I'm curious about all of them. Yeah, actually. it was totally. I'm always happy to espouse these because I've had people be like, thank you. Yeah. But, one of mine is like no like if you are spending way too long on a suite like also chill out like if it's not birthed easily yeah then, like you're working at it and one of my really big rules is twitter should not feel like work because mm-hmm. i mean ultimately i'm not getting paid to tweet i don't want to get paid to tweet but i'm not getting paid to tweet and um i mean i have shit to do i like you know i need to relax i need to do my work i need to see my friends like I don't want Twitter to become like a big ass thing. Like it is certainly is a thing in my life. Like it's had like quite a few ripple effects, but if it becomes like a huge focus mentally, I start feeling kind of bad and like worried about it. 
Right. It's like, it's social media that I'm doing for fun. Like, I'm not suffering over a tweet. So a lot of times it's just me being like, that's funny and tweeting it. That's sort of the whole process. It's so funny. And this, I guess, makes sense now that I'm thinking about it. But if you are to be a careerist on Twitter, or if one, because not you, but if like, if somebody is kind of thinking about it really explicitly like i'm gonna pop off on twitter so i can get a job like yeah. you've already lost <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, like, it's just like lose lose like feedback loop of right like, it's like i hate to say it but you can tell when someone's really really tried on a tweet totally i've you felt really it within myself like i'm like, think, uh, like some of the funniest people i know on twitter you can tell they're just like thinking random shit and posting it and it turns out to be just really funny it's like you can tell like their brain is just doing that and i think the kind of freshness of that is always really great to me yeah, that makes sense. And so, okay, so m- moving on from Twitter, the how did you take me back to your in college or in grad school in in London studying design? But you also knew you wanted to be a writer, and and you also code. What was that um, kind of? How did all those things relate? Yeah, right. How did it put put those pieces together for me? It's it's funny because, um, I mean, let's go back to high school. I, the only class I did get in, I was like, get English, Spanish, and French and art. Okay. Yeah. Really? um... really I'm like generally pretty good at this language. Like I picked up French really fast in art because like I'm good at art. Um, And I remember thinking about it and like, I did kind of just fall on my face in high school. Like I didn't get great grades. I had like two extracurriculars I was half-assed at. I was like, I'm not getting into freaking Yale. Like I Mm -hmm. knew that. And um, I remember thinking, like, do I want to be a journalist or a writer? Do I want to do that? And my parents, especially my dad, kind of nailed into me, like, you remember college is, like, important, but, like, you need to also get a job afterwards, which I think is practical. Like, sure, and, like, yeah. that landscape at the time, like, around the I could have used that advice. <laughs> I graduated in 2010, so I was, like, good point. Like, I don't want to be, like, drifting for five years and being, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, ultimately, I really liked, like, fiction. And... I decided pretty early on that that would be a thing I'd kind of do myself. Um, so I. What do you mean by do it yourself? Like not necessarily take classes on it or like go to school for it. It was like, I it was just this very instinctive decision of like I want to go to school. Like I got into a couple art schools and ended up choosing one in London, mm-hmm. doing design because like I would have done like a fine art course. I think I would have probably killed it at that but design was a bit more practical. My dad's a graphic designer and he's like really managed to like kind of build his own little company and stuff. Mm. So I knew that it was like a decent career path that you could do. Um, And I definitely did my own writing in college. I still have some of it. It's bizarre, but I was taking time to like write short stories and stuff on my spare time. It's like, I like it like this. And so what prompted, uh, you you said instinctual, but what what prompted the decision to, to kind of be like, I, I would prefer to be self-taught in this? That's a really good question. Um, I think a big part of it was like, I I am writing a novel right now. I've kind of always known I want to write one, but it was something I always knew, like if I want to like publish, I don't want to rush it. Mm. And I was very aware, like if I publish a novel after undergrad, that's so young and fresh. And I'd probably be like, Oh my God, fucking kill me when I'm like 50 years old. You know, like you look right. at your work from five years ago, you're like, what the hell you look at your work from 25 years ago. I'm sure it'd be like excruciating. Absolutely. Um, and I actually, for a while, when I first moved to New York was considering doing an MFA in okay. fiction. Um, a good friend of mine who's done one and published a book. He was like, you in particular would probably not enjoy it. Um, because again, like I think with writing, it's something I really like to take my time on and curate. And mm-hmm. I read a lot of writing. I do a lot of writing. I've had some fabulous editors who have really helped me improve on it. And I also just don't like getting feedback from people who I whose feedback I don't like choose and like value. And it's like, if I go to an MFA, how do I know I'm going to have professors who's, not that I'm like, oh, I'm going to hate my professors, but it's more like, you know, I wouldn't necessarily get to choose who I'm working with. And if it's someone's work, I'm like, oh, this is like, okay. It's like, well, I don't want my book to be shaped into something that's like more their thing or like 
super saleable and like I have to change it a lot. It's like, no, I want to take my time with all this stuff and write something I'm really proud of. And that could take 10 years, but that's literally fine with me. Right. Interesting. It's, it's funny to note that you are, um, so, uh, you are on Twitter, which is this app that's so about moving fast and, and, you know, often like kind of like there's always a thing to tweet about every day there's a main character has got their little tweet for it it's right and and it's like the biggest kind of criticism of twitter i guess like aesthetically is that it it kind of stops it short circuits people's ability to have the long view on things you know Uh, but it's it's crazy how like opinion pieces have to come out the day after something happens like versus i saw a really good tweet that was like this stuff takes time. Like if you want a really good opinion piece, give it a month or two. Yeah. Either it's dead. It's been dead for months. I, I, right. And it, well, it's just interesting that you are somebody who, who has figured out how to have an audience on Twitter. And then also in you is somebody that like would be down to take a novel to have 10 years, you know? Um, it's, it's very funny. Cause like, I feel like it's a very multifaceted thing. Like Twitter is just me being silly, but with my writing, I'm like pretty serious about it. And it's like, I know what I want. Like, I definitely know what I want from it. Like I have, I have demands. Like Mm -hmm. if I get published, I'm going to be such a brat about like how I want to go about it. What, what kind of demands? Um, well, I actually, um, a while ago, an agent actually cold emailed me, which is very flattering. And, um, I did a zoom call with them. And I knew nothing about the publication process. So it was more of an informative thing. And it was very interesting. The person was very chill and very, we really like clicked and it was very informative, but half of it, I was like, that sucks. Like, I hate that. Mm-hmm. Like, There's a whole thing of like getting the advance and then writing the book in X amount of time. And then like, if you don't, you have to give the advance back. And then like dealing with like, I think the thing that makes me want to like lie down is like the marketing part. Um, I have a really hard time promoting my work. Like it feels very like, oh, I did a thing. It's like, no, you should be proud of it, but I am proud of it, but for my own sake kind of thing. Um, But having to like, you know, choose a book cover that looks good and grabs people's eyes. Like, do I get to choose? And like getting all the little blurbs on the back, who does the blurb? Do I get to choose? Like it. And you would want complete like if you you're saying if you want to make something like that you want it to be like a complete self-help vision i want to have a lot of say of it like if yeah. i'm panel who's the panel with so and so on and also um oh what was i just lost my train of thought there's a lot involved in it and um it just seems like really stressful to me like sure. and another thing is this editor said like you will get snapped up very fast because you have a big social media following and that didn't sit well with me for me personally, I want the book to be reviewed on the merits of the book and not like, I don't want people to be like, I can't review Sophie's book in a negative way or whatever. Like, right. you know what? if the book sucks, just drag it. Like, go off in the London Review of Books or whatever. Like, if I write a bad book, I write a bad book. Like, I don't want it to be Sophie Helps book. I want it to be like a book by Sophie Health, if that makes sense. Like the book comes first. Yeah, first. yeah. Do you feel like the social media is a prison in that way then? That like, that it you might not like, be able to escape that or? It almost kind of does to the point where I've been thinking of submitting at least a manuscript under a pseudonym. Oh. I'm serious. Yeah. Like, no, I, I love that. Completely on its own merit. Like that's very important to me. Like if I want, I want genuine feedback on the book. If it doesn't get accepted, you know, like then it, I need to work on it right you don't want it to be like oh this like twitter famous girl wrote a book you know done we took it like because then it's like you know i don't want there to be like a twitter link on the fucking back of the book like mm-hmm. like that like i cut a I, screenshot like, of one of your tweets or something yeah oh my god kill me <laughs> <laughs> um but like and i don't begrudge anyone who like leverages their social media to get a book sold like it's pretty brilliant way to do it nowadays but i think personally i just i really want to write something very good that exists on its own merit and right. it's its own thing. Like, I don't know. It's that it's interesting. That, that makes me think of, and like, this is, I think, well, I don't know how, if this, I have no idea if this person leveraged their social media to, to write this book and they seem like a wonderful, like the book was awesome. So, you know, whatever, but, uh, Darcy Wilder's book, uh, Oh, I love Darcy's book. Yeah, what the, what's it called? Literally show me a healthy person. Literally like, show me a healthy person. That was that sick. is, uh, that book, was 
the only reason it got to me was because of Darcy's Twitter account. You know, sure. like not having not to say anything about her, but just like that's the way I consume shit. It's like I, it just got to me like that, sure, and sure. It, and it was such a the vibe was such an extension of kind of the vibe she had created on Twitter and yeah. um there so it's a double edged sword right where like it was so awesome i'm yeah. sh- to experience that and to like think about her as an online person darcy's head right yeah i think i mean i think it's different for everyone like yeah. i really do like i don't think there's any wrong or right way to go about it um i just know how i want to go about it yeah but, yeah like it's funny because my writing is like very different from my twitter i think like in some in what, ways, it, yeah, along what axis? I think like I tend to write more kind of morose shit, honestly. Mm. Like I really do. I have this kind of serious like side to myself that I just don't really usually feel like putting on Twitter because like that's my side. But with my writing, it's very like like the book I'm writing right now. I remember um, when I was meeting with that agent, she was like, "We like publishing like kind of snappy short novels. Like this is not going to be snappy or short. Right. Like this is." and languid and morose like this has not got like any redemption arc or like <laughs> oh this is real life bitch and it's not always fun like yeah that yeah vibe. and it's like I think people who have read my writing especially some of my fiction are a little bit surprised not in, like a negative way it's like oh like I didn't think you would write like stuff like that um so it's like I think people have expectations in general of what you're like in person or in other ways just because of how you act on Twitter. Mm. And I'm not doing a surprise bitch kind of thing. It's more just like this Twitter's literally like one side of myself. And like as anyone is, I'm a multifaceted being. So sure. I think the writing is not an extension of Twitter in my case. It's more like a completely different side of like how I experience the world. Well what's what's interesting to me about that is is I think when people think about social media, they think kind of perhaps implied is the project being on social media is to like be as authentic, you know, to be your authentic self, to beam your authentic self onto the internet. What what you're saying is not trying, you're not, you're like, I'm not trying to capture my multifacetedness on Twitter. I'm just trying to compartmentalize kind of one section of me on Twitter and that can be my section and people can enjoy that. But there are other sections that live totally outside of Twitter that somebody who just followed my Twitter would never interact with. Entirely. And I think it's not like a conscious compartmentalization. Sure. It's not like I can't post that. It's more like, oh, there's just stuff I like to post. But I think people do expect full authenticity and like, especially lately, like disclosure of struggle and stuff like that, which isn't really my thing. Like I have enough followers that there's stuff. It's like, I don't need to put that out there. (laughs) Sure, sure. That's my thing. But yeah, I think like it's kind of nice to have these sort of different sides of myself. Like I actually did this um, art project recently. I was going to uh, ask you about this. This was very sick. I really enjoyed this. It just came out last week and um, it's very kind of not dark in a scary way, but it's like this AR rendering of like Myrtle Avenue along like Central Avenue on the M train. And it's very dark and creepy. And there's like text I've written that I'm reading in my voice and stuff. And when the people I was working with initially, we had like a meeting, they were like, do you want this to be kind of the same voice you have on Twitter? And I was like, no, Mm. like already, like this is not remotely related to how I am on Twitter. I would like this to be a more different kind of, not like I want to be more serious, but like, you know, this is not something I just want to make like a silly thing or whatever. Like I really want to kind of go in on this and like kind of construct a thing that like I see in my head that isn't necessarily a joke or like a funny thing. It's more like, I don't know, just like, just different, just a different vibe that like, you know, not every, not all five gajillion followers need, not necessarily need to see, but like, I just don't always feel like putting out there. Like, I feel like for more, for bigger projects, I think it tends to kind of, I'm scraping out different parts of my brain versus just like being silly. Cause like, it's easy for me to be silly. I think with other stuff, it's like when I put a lot of work into something, I'm kind of trying to more like drag stuff out and like really marinate over things, kind of iterate over things and that's not always like just me being silly. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. And I do, I, I, I wonder if there's, is there a little bit when you do do something that is a departure from, you know, your Twitter voice that you're like, oh, I hope people still like it or I hope that people, people, um, 
aren't don't get whiplash or are you kind of excited for that whiplash? I think it's a little bit of both. Like I honestly do think that some people just don't get it or like a little taken aback. Like a lot of my writing lately has been more like editorial stuff. Mm. Um, and people are like, oh, she can like, she's writing this thing. It's like, yeah, you know, I have thoughts. But right. at the same time, it's kind of exciting to be like, hey guys, like, you know, I'm not just shitposting all day. I'm like making stuff and it's kind of different and I hope you enjoy it. Like ultimately yeah. like, I'm making stuff like, at this point, I'm just making stuff for myself. Like, I think I'm kind of chilled out about like, will everyone like this? Like, you know, I'm proud of it. The people I've worked with enjoy it. And that is really important to me. But it is always a little weird putting a very serious project in between two shit posts. <laughs> right. And just like, oh, here it is. I came back to shit posting. But um, it's very cool to just like have that stuff going on that I can share at this point. Well, can you tell me more about this about this project, the the AR rendering? Totally. Um, basically, this is a British. Uh, um, I can't even think of the word. It's like a British group that's. It's called Shape Arts, and it's a collective of disabled artists, and they reach out. And basically, because of COVID, they kind of they weren't necessarily taking grant applications. They more just reached out to people. So they reached out to me via my Twitter. And asked me if I'd want to take part in this. And I was like, that sounds so cool. Like basically mm -hmm. what you had to do was kind of come up with some sort of environment that then they would render in AR and it could be anything. And I was like, what the hell am I going to do? And I, I'm like a weird little freak who loves like how desolate and creepy cities get. I'm like, I don't dislike nature, but I'm like the polar opposite of someone who wants to live in nature. I could never live in the countryside. Okay. Insane. Um, and I love like I live kind of Bushwick Ridgewood area and kind of near like the M train and like the trestle and stuff like that. And there's I love how weird and creepy it is at night and how desolate and you feel like the only person there and you see another person there, it's like I see you. Um so I did a rent, I took a shit ton of photos of Myrtle Avenue, like kind of stitched them all together, which took ages, and I took a bunch of recordings of the sounds of Myrtle Avenue, just literally sat there with like my phone recording. And, yeah. Yeah, which I love doing. I, I used to do that all the time in college. I have like 500 little sound samples on my laptop. Wait, can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> I love talking about this shit. Like whenever I tell someone that, they're like, why? Yeah, that was my first question. It's um, weirdly, I had a roommate who just told me one day, like, oh, I take recordings on my phone all the time. And I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. Because it was like, it says like voice recording. So I was like, sure. I need to voice he's like no like the microphone's actually pretty good give it a shot and the very first recording is of me and him testing it okay cute but i lived in london for four years and i really loved it and it's just such a weird big city that just has all sorts of weird shit and all sorts of things going on all the time especially as like a university student who is like 20 you know you're always out and about you're always checking stuff out you're traveling like i traveled to europe a few times and there was just, it was very cool. I guess I would never quite got over the whole thing. Like I'm living in another country. Um, so if, and also like, I like the sounds of trains randomly. I realize that's really random, but the ones in London sounded super cool um, and kind of weird. So I'd like record the trains, I'd record the birds, I'd record my friends talking, I'd record like church bells, I'd record all sorts of stuff. And then I would travel and record stuff there. So even just like street musicians and stuff like that. And the microphone's like really good. and. It's something I've just like kept archived because I feel like someday I'd like to make some work with it. I just don't know what yet. Mm. But it feels like something's simmering long term with this because I've always been very interested in like sound art and stuff. Right. Uh, like my friend in college like attached all these microphones to like different plants and stuff and actually had them make noises and music and stuff. It was very cool. It's like, oh, you can do that. So I feel like there's a lot of untapped shit as of yet. And um are part of it have you seen um relaxing old footage with joe para are you familiar no, with this it, i think i think you would really fuck with it it's it's this weird thing on adult swim with this guy comedian joe para and he just has uh, actually it's called it's like he in the film it's it's his but it is just um about 25 minutes of random old fit footage that all is kind of connected in that it has a very like relaxing vibe. Oh, but it, I love that kind of yeah, thing. I'll just check that out. It, it, and it's like a little bit of, um, you know, it runs a gamut from like trees rustling in the wind to like a coffee pot boiling or whatever. Oh, yeah. um, 
that's it, it's like when you get a good microphone it's like lush you're right like, i would love to invest at some point in like a really nice one but then i'm like do i want to carry that around but yeah, yeah. i actually um do you know nts radio oh that sounds familiar like, but they're like based in england and like it's okay. an online radio station they have two channels at a time they have like phenomenal phenomenal people just playing mixes and like sets and stuff oh very cool um but actually recently I was kind of noodling around the website and they're like, oh, we want your sound recordings. We want your like environmental recordings. So I got it in my head to take the end train to like the Lancey SX and just record it. And I was so excited. And they had the fucking AC on. So all you could hear was the AC. I was like, come uh... on, man. Like I'm trying to get like all the sounds of New York. So I need to think of another thing. And it has to be minimum 20 minutes. Dang. So, you know, I maybe I'll just sit in a subway station and let the trains go by or something. I don't know. But it's like think. Oh, like a thing to use my recordings for i love it yeah i'm trying to think where in new york would have the coolest um sound you know where yeah. i i get really good sound like i'm always just so happy to be hearing the sights and sounds of new york is um like carol gardens red hook area carol gardens and red hook i have not been there in ages i used to live in carol gardens actually oh, but really? yeah yeah years ago but um, yeah, that's a really good area, like Red Hook especially. Yeah, I just like, I mean, I, I like it out there. Uh, it's beautiful, but I also just think like the streets are kind of fucked up and like the- the. I mean, it's a little crazy and there's shit going down. That's always so good. Yeah, there. yeah. You get the kind of like industrial area around there. You get a good- I love that, yeah. I love an industrial area, honestly. Okay, so back, we got off track because you're this, this art project, the 3D rendering. Right, right. Okay, so I had all these- photos that I and like sound recordings that I sent to the person who is kind of making the AR and we also had some text that I wrote kind of floating around the space it was like kind of glowing white and I actually read it out which was hard because I kind of hate my voice sometimes but I got it done and basically what it is is you can either watch a video of it which is on YouTube or you can actually download an app on your phone and like as you turn your phone it like changes the point of view and you Damn. can like, forward and back so it is like augmented reality it like actually is interactive and it came out so good i was so happy with it like it really looked like exactly how i wanted it to look like this kind of dark dreary cement like vibe which i personally extremely fuck with but mm -hmm. it's like i hate the city it's like i'll stay here if you want to leave but. yeah right you can go, but I'm not one of those people who's going to fuck off to Hudson. Like, I can guarantee you that. Like, you were probably loving the New York is dead discourse. You're like, yes. I'm like, dead, but I'm like, I, I'm loving it. Like, <laughs> yeah, <I'm>, right. <laughs> you can leave. But yeah, it came out really great. And I, the people I worked with are great. Like, they were super open to feedback with like a discord, actually, that we could fire ideas oh, back. Oh, cool. Very like communicative. So when you're making something like that, are you driving toward a vibe like do you have a i want the person list experiencing this to feel x or are you like going totally on instinct or are you going for a kind of a salient intellectual message like what 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 are you what's your north star and something like that it's definitely the vibe honestly at this point yeah I know in college i'd be making kind of art stuff and i had i think there's a thing about like going to art school where you're all like 19 you were all the weird creative kids and there's mm. like everyone kind of wants to be reading like the right thing and going to the right shows and know who like this artist is and going to this artist talk and as someone who like I wouldn't consider myself like an intellectual per se like my brain's just not really built that way yeah um, I think at the time I felt like my work had to have this like really intellectual message or something deep and now I'm just like I kind of fuck with this it's cool I want to make it like it feels very freeing to be like my art doesn't have to have like some intellectual message. Yeah. So this is definitely just the thing of like, I think this looks and feels very cool and I want to make it and share it with people. God, that's, that's yeah. And I, I, I'm, that seems so hard. It seems, that seems so hard. It's a, to it's, like... a it's a big letting go. I think, you know, yeah you really have to let go of feeling like you need to always be saying something that's like pertinent or important because right. you don't have to be like i think that if someone else can say it better then just let them say it you know like if 
if you don't rest necessarily know exactly what the point you want to drive in there is like there doesn't have to be a point it's okay to just think something's really cool like I think a lot of stuff is cool it's like I'm very much a hedonist and if I enjoy something a lot I kind of want to share it and it's fine to just like go on a vibe and just enjoy making or playing with something that you ultimately just think is fun like but I really had to let go of that from when I was younger I think my school is also notorious for like cranking out a lot of really big artists and stuff, which is cool. But a lot of them very much were people who were like sending messages to their work, which is very cool. But I think I really had to realize like that is just for me personally, not the way my brain works. And that's fine. Like that is a like God level degree of self-awareness because <laughs> the, 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 do you remember like a shift in that kind of way of thinking? Or do you think that's sort of been the like slow process of aging like just getting a little older doing a little more creative work I think it's honestly just me getting older and kind of coming to a better understanding of like how I move through the world like until recently I felt like I had to read a lot of like dense theory I read like cruel optimism by Lauren Berlant last year I did not retain fucking any of it sure like I read every chapter I read the footnotes I did all that shit and I was like okay and I I got it you know I like it wasn't too dense I was looking at words but no memory yeah literally none it's like have you read Berlant yes technically (laughs) (laughs) like technically I have looked at the words but I think after that I was just like you know what so if like you're not dumb you're not bad at life you're not an idiot you just theory unless unless it's very pertinent to me some things have been but stuff reading like theory or really intellectual shit or feeling like I had to be intellectual like for whatever reason it's just like it's fine if I'm not like I have my own ways of looking at things. And honestly, I'm very much just like a vibes person. Like Mm -hmm. I like music because it's like a vibe, not necessarily because of the lyrics. Like it's very much in a lot of ways I'm like that. And I think I've had a lot more fun like engaging with like various types of media, like from that point of view lately. Yeah. So to that end, one of the things I've been asking people toward the end of the pod is to put on some kind of indie, uh, or like less known, you know, m- media that you've been consuming that 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 the that the people need to check out. Oh, okay. Wow. What have I been doing that's like less well known? I mean, I've been reading a lot, but I'm a big reader. I mean, I listen to like I get spoon fed like indie electronic like house experimental vibe shit. Some of which is very good and very little known. I mean, like, yeah, well, oh. you got to drop some band names. Yeah, okay, well, let's see. Um, well, one of my favorite songs ever is like, has like 5,000 plays on YouTube and I had to like literally YouTube to MP3 and it's kind of funny. That's fire. It's like a remix of that song Land Down Under by like those Australian dudes. Okay. But it's really good. It's a remix. <laughs> it's like, I vibe with it extremely. Like I extremely fuck with the song. Okay. And um, Maybe I'll throw it in the end of this. Uh, yeah, of totally. This I can see the link. Like it's great. Um, but... I fi- it's just like I used to I spent so long the year I was like convalescing literally all I did was read and listen to like weird unknown house music on YouTube hmm. like let it do the playlist for you and I found some extremely good shit yeah like YouTube has some deep cuts like not as much as Spotify or Apple music obviously but it can be really fun to like find a song with 250 views and some British guy going like, oh, mate, I used to dance to this back in Birmingham, back in night. <laughs> I'm so glad I found this. Like, that makes me so happy. Yeah. Just, I like, do think on YouTube it is a little easier, perhaps because you don't initially think of YouTube as a place where you'd find music. So you yeah. can, like, you know, it's like if I'm on, it's almost like the algorithm on Spotify knows me too well. Yeah, the algorithm, like, I get a little bored with it eventually. Like, yeah, another thing I like, and I'll like it for two weeks and get sick of it. Like, right. I mean, I use YouTube primarily for music, actually. I'm not a huge video watcher because I have no attention span. So, like, um, I will just, like, find a few songs, make a playlist, or see what, if it's in a playlist that seems pertinent, and just, like, let it play. Um, and it's, cool. like, because, like, people are individually uploading stuff and not, like, going through any sort of companies or anything, like, I mean, I don't, stuff gets DMCA'd sometimes, but like in general, there can be some really like deep, deep cuts that are so good. It's like, why is this not like huge? Right. Yeah. On the other hand, it's like when Spotify or Apple Music doesn't have it and it's a banger, I'm like, come on. Yeah. It's a double edged sword, but it's definitely. I was going to say, what have you been uh, um, reading? 
Um, what did I finish today? I just finished this really depressing book called Free Day. Okay. Um, it's by a French author and it's about a girl who lives in the countryside in France and has these terrible parents and goes to like a local high school. And it's, it's the whole book is her. It takes place of her like bicycling 20 miles from her school to home and like the mist. And she's just kind of ruminating over stuff. It's beautifully written, but it's bleak. Wow. It was, it was a quick read. It was like 130 pages. Um, and I just, day? Huh? Free, Free day. day. I'll, I can send you like the author. It's like, it was really good, but yeah. it, the ending is like, oh man, come on. Um, and I just started Madame Bovary today, actually. Um, I'm not, oh, you're talking to, I've read like um, six books in the last eight years. Don't blame you, it's hard. But <laughs> Madame Bovary is like this very famous French novel, like from Got the 80s, it. about this woman who like lives beyond her means, shall we say. Mm. And there, I got a translation that a lot of people recommended by this author, Lydia Davis, whose work in and of itself is great. And it's been pretty lush reading so far. I'm enjoying it. Cool. I didn't mean to read it for years. I'm like, just do it. But I am like, I'm that bitch who buys a bunch of books and never reads them. So like, I went to a bookstore today just to snoop around. I was like, you get nothing. <laughs> you get nothing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm even worse, which is like, I'm the guy with like six unused audible.com tokens. <laughs> oh my God, for real. I'm not an audible person. Oh. Yeah, I just, I mean, look, I, that it's, it's, uh, it's no accident. I found like myself. You're kind of busy and you can just pop your headphones in now and just like ride the train or something. Right. Yeah. It's, they just work with my brain a little more. And okay. And where can, where can the people find you? What do you mean? Like on, on to, to read your work, to check out your stuff. That's sick. Okay. Well, my website is actually sophiahelp.com. Okay. Uh, cause someone bought the Sophie Help URL for $800. Yeah. Thank you. 800 um, i know i was like i'm not paying that oh my god mine was do you think they bought it they bought it to resell to yeah. you though no no to anyone but like okay people just but it like, wasn't somebody who like was following you on twitter when you had like no, no, 3, no, no. 000, it was like some like, random place in like call oh, or something. um so com has links to my writing and um a bit of coding work on there and a bunch of links i have a sub stack which is Dumb bitch hours at substack.com, <laughs> which is where some of my more personal, somewhat serious writing is. Obviously, cool. on Twitter, Jill underscore slander, and on Instagram, I'm Sophie Health underscore. So those are my main ones. Hell yeah! Um, and then where can people find the 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 artificial the artificial intelligence the the 3D rendering? Um, Good question. I think if you Google Shape Arts, the um, Shape Arts UK, there should be a link to a download for the app and a kind of preview YouTube video on the website and some more writing in depth about each project. And also on their Instagram, their Instagram has some really cool stuff too. Highly recommend. Oh yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, Sophie, this is all I got. You've been you've been wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, great. This for, has been super fun for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you.